Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on LJN Radio and the podcast, I Want to Be A. And of course, each episode, we fill in that blank with a new profession, also bringing in an expert guest to talk about what it takes to get a job and also what it takes to thrive in it. For this episode, you're actually listening to part two of I Want to Be an Interpreter with our expert guest, Trudy Schaefer, who is the project coordinator for the National Interpreter Education Center over at Northeastern University. As we pick up our conversation in part two, we talk a little bit about what a typical day might look like in this profession, as well as really the most essential skills that are necessary. A lot of times with these shows, we do ask about what a typical day might be like. I did want to ask in a little different way and sort of incorporating also the idea of the different type of interpreters that you've, you've touched on a couple of times. Uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of detail of, uh, you know, just as briefly as possible, what each might look like, what each might be like for each uh, individual, whether it be a, in the community, uh, maybe a, a designated interpreter, as you mentioned, or freelance, uh, just some of the differences or some of the unique aspects of each of those types of positions. So people have an idea of what that might be. Let me start by just giving you some examples of the types of interpreters that there are and the types of settings that they work in, and okay. then we can uh, extrapolate from that what a typical day might look like. So this is not an exhaustive list, but it gives you an idea of the breadth of opportunities of that you have as an interpreter. I've already mentioned community interpreters who uh, work with deaf individuals in their activities of daily living, going to the doctor, going to the job going to parent-teacher conferences, those kinds of things. As I mentioned, also a designated interpreter is kind of a personal interpreter uh, for, let's say, a high-level person who's a manager in a company who may be deaf and has a lot of meetings, a lot of phone calls, a lot of interaction with uh, individuals who can hear. He or she will have a designated interpreter who works with them on a daily basis. We also have interpreters who specialize in working with people who are deaf-blind. And so they use American Sign Language as well as an approach called tactile sign language so that deaf people can place their hands on the hands of the interpreter and gather information kinesthetically. Uh, we have interpreters who are trilingual interpreters who uh, work with three languages, American <laughs> Sign Language, English, and Spanish, and work with a significant population of deaf people who have needs with respect to Spanish interpretation. We have a very unique group of uh, interpreters who are deaf themselves, and they act as relay interpreters, working with a hearing interpreter as a team. Um, and these deaf interpreters are highly specialized in working with deaf people who use unique um, dialects or who have unique communication needs. And just most recently, in the last 10 or 15 years, with the advent of technology, we now have video relay interpreters who work in a call center. And you can call them on a video device, a video phone, and this interpreter will then place a phone call to your local pizzeria and order a pizza for you. <laughs> um, and then some of the settings where interpreters work include uh, legal settings, working in the courtroom, medical settings, mental health settings, working in higher education, as I mentioned, and many others. So it's hard for me to say what a typical day would be for an interpreter because there are so many different settings that they could be in. Uh, but let's say you have an educational interpreter who works in the K-12 through setting. So their typical day is going to be getting up early and getting to school by 8 a.m. and working in 
an elementary classroom for the remainder of the day. Uh, they may accompany their deaf student on field trips. They might be involved with after-school sports activities. They'll be interpreting assemblies, all the stuff that happens in a school setting. A video relay interpreter, on the other hand, is going to go to a call center and sit in a cubicle with computer equipment and a video screen and field uh, calls throughout their shift. And uh, a call center could have multiple shifts. So you could have somebody working overnight and doing the graveyard shift. You know, I was just fascinated by all the different types of opportunities there really are out there. And you know, I'd been reading some statistics about how much growth there is in this industry lately. And I think all the ways you're talking about people can help out with uh, interpreting, I, I definitely sort of belabors that point. And for myself, obviously, as a hearing individual, and, and you said, you know, we don't necessarily come across all that many deaf individuals that you take it, you really take for granted all the, the things that are simple. You don't have to, have to think about when it comes to school or, as you said, ordering a pizza. So I hopefully, I, I mean, this is really kind of opening my eyes a little bit, and I hopefully it does for our listeners as well. Do you see that sort of growth opportunity for employment, especially, again, for those that are listening to this and maybe having these thoughts of, of helping? Do you see that within your industry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I became an interpreter quite some time ago, who would have thought that technology would advance to the stage where we would have video right. relay interpreters? Or who would have envisioned passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act in the 90s that opened up so many opportunities for deaf people to be engaged? And because of that, the demand for interpreter it's increased dramatically. The growth has been very strong over these past years, and I anticipate that that's going to continue to grow. I believe the Bureau of Labor Statistics has predicted that there's going to be something like 40% growth yep. in our field in the coming years. So, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's proven to be a dynamic field, and I think it will continue to be a dynamic field. With talking about, obviously, these opportunities, and you know, they're very diverse in a lot of ways, the skill aspect of it, clearly having to know the languages and that sort of training and experience. What about personality-wise or any other skills that you would point to that you think are really essential if you're going to thrive in one of these positions? That's an excellent question. And I have to answer it first by saying you've got to be bilingual. I, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Mm -hmm. So um, even though we've talked about language, I got to talk about it again. We have to have just extraordinary skills, both in using um, spoken English and American Sign Language. I think another personality trait that an interpreter must have is they have to be flexible. Uh, you may be prepared for a given situation that you're going to walk into and you're going to get something from left field. Mm -hmm. um, it happens all the time <laughs> and you just need to be prepared and be able to respond to the changing circumstances that you may find yourself in. Um, I did mention that often interpreters, those who work in the community, may work solo. But often in our field, we work in teams, either with a deaf interpreter, as I mentioned earlier, who's doing um, kind of a relay work, uh, helping us understand dialects and right. complex communication needs, or another hearing interpreter. If we are doing a long assignment, um, it's really crucial that two interpreters work together because of the cognitive demands of interpreting. So a personality trait is you have to be able to work well with others. The other is you have to be creative because no matter how much you go to school and how much you prepare, something is going to catch you off guard and you need to be able to respond to the situation and the circumstances that you find yourself in. Sure. Um, interpreters have to be able to make decisions on their own because 
even if you're working with a team, that doesn't mean that you have a supervisor. And so you really have to be well-grounded in the code of professional conduct and have a framework for ethical decision-making so that you can make decisions both about ethical issues and about the interpreting process. And then, of course, you have to be reliable and professional. If you don't show up, the two people that are meeting, the deaf person and the hearing person, cannot get their work done. Um, So you are the linchpin. They're counting on you. You are also a reflection of both the deaf person and the hearing person in that setting. Hmm. So you have to dress appropriately. You have to behave appropriately. You have to be prepared. And something else that I've already discussed but I really do want to mention again is in order to be a good interpreter, you have to be a discreet person. Sure. With all these items that you've talked about, and it's obvious the the benefits to it and the value of, of being in a position like these, how about some of the, the challenges, maybe some of the hazards? People have asked about uh, things like you know, carpal tunnel or arthritis, you know, some, the physical aspect of it as well. But what are maybe some of the more challenging things that you would want to uh, just, I guess, at least put out there so people understand that it's as great and as fulfilling as the, these opportunities can be, that it's not necessarily a cakewalk, so to speak, every time? Sure. Well, I think one of the things that I experienced when I was working as a community interpreter in freelancing, uh, one of the frustrations was when um, some companies would not pay or would take a long time to pay. Uh, Back when I started interpreting, a lot of people saw our work as charity and expected us to just interpret for free. Really? And uh, fortunately, those days are fading, but there are still... (laughs) some instances where an organization uh, may not appreciate the value that an interpreter brings to uh, the interaction. Uh, doesn't happen often, but it does still happen from time to time. And uh, freelance interpreters basically are self-employed, so there's a lot of paperwork that comes with that responsibility. Okay. And that's something that I didn't particularly enjoy, but it had to be done. Right. And as you said, carpal tunnel and overuse, Uh, is a concern for our field. And one of the things that interpreter education programs teach students to do is how to take care of our bodies, especially our hands. And as a practicing interpreter, we always have to be cognizant of our limits, not interpreting for extended periods of time, and doing a lot of warm-up exercises so that um, our muscles are ready for the demands of the physical work that we do as well as the cognitive work that we do. Sure. Another aspect that we often ask about, and it's just, again, to give our listeners all the information possible, is the idea of compensation, salary, different types of uh, you know items like that. Can you give sort of a, a somewhat of a ballpark understanding, yes, that as you mentioned, there are so many different opportunities and it's going to vary, that sort of thing, um, but just to give the listeners an idea of what maybe they could be looking at in terms of the compensation side. Sure. Well, a colleague of mine helped me prepare for the interview today and did a little bit of research. So I want to thank Jenna for the work that she did. (laughs) She uh, went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and got some data from 2012. Uh, It states that interpreters and translators made $43,300 a year with an average pay rate of $20.80 per hour. But I got to say, how much you make depends on several factors where you live, your level of education your experience, your interpreting credentials, such as certification, and the types of settings that you choose to work in. So compensation in our field is commensurate with experience, certification, and credentials. Uh, Wages will rise the longer you're in the field and Mm -hmm. the more education you obtain. 
I think that sums it up pretty nicely, especially considering all the diverse opportunities people can have. So um, obviously it'll it'll vary quite a bit. With that in mind, and we talked about the, the, the challenges a little bit, and uh, I guess I want to just throw it out there for you as well. Regardless of the pay, how do you look at it in terms of fulfillment or how much you enjoy the job? What, what, what sort of other things do you take away from it or have you taken away from it? Or maybe you've talked with other individuals that, again, regardless of what you might be getting paid, that there are other benefits to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, interpreters, I, I'm speechless. It's hard for me to articulate the reasons beyond compensation that I enjoy interpreting. But I, I guess the first and foremost consideration for me is the people that I work with. The deaf people that I have met through the years come from all walks of life and are doing all kinds of interesting things. I interpreted for a deaf young man in law school back in the late 70s. He was one of the first deaf attorneys in the country. I've interpreted for another deaf individual who went on to become a medical doctor. I've met uh, multiple students pursuing a variety of educational interests. I've had the chance to interpret for governors and just your neighborhood shopkeepers. So <laughs> just wonderful opportunities to meet deaf people who are striving and accomplishing great things in the world and an interesting array of hearing people doing dynamic work as well. And it's uh, very satisfying to know that the work that I have done has made a difference. You know, if you're sitting in a cubicle banging away on a computer, sometimes it's really hard to get that feeling. Mm -hmm. But when you're interpreting, it's right there. It's before you each and every day. And there's something very rewarding about that. I also have to say the people that I work with, the interpreters who are my colleagues, were a fun, creative, energetic, passionate group of people. And it's just stimulating to be around them. Well put, well put. Uh, we'll look to wrap up a little bit here. Obviously, you've given us a, a ton of great information and some examples of what listeners could you know, get into if they're interested. What would be maybe a final takeaway you'd like to offer up to some of the job seekers? Again, if they're interested in this industry, if, maybe if you have any last pieces of advice or any other uh, items you'd want to mention. Oh, just that um, I think that if you're looking for a career where you're going to make a difference, where you have an opportunity to interact with a wide variety of people in a wide variety of settings. If you're a person who has a sense of adventure and is creative and wants to connect with people who are like-minded, there's nothing like being an interpreter. You're just not going to find anything that comes close. Well, Trudy, thank you very much for everything. Unfortunately, we do need to wrap up our show here on LJN Radio in this episode of I Want to Be A. Of course, we've been discussing the profession of interpreter and getting the inside dish from Trudy Schaefer, the project coordinator for the National Interpreter Education Center over at Northeastern University. Trudy, thanks again for all the information and insight today. We do appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. And I do want to say, if you want more information, go to discoverinterpreting.org or Discover Interpreting on Facebook. Perfect. More information, the better. Of course, we want to know uh, from you, the listeners as well, what other types of jobs might interest you. So just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, really for any of our podcasts on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.